Hello, and welcome to a very special live episode of The Aside. Uh, I'm Nick Waxman, and today we're lucky enough to be treated to an interview with Broden Kelly. Broden Kelly is one member of the international comedy sensation Auntie Donna. Three performers, one DJ, four writers, one videographer, and a team of support artists. They've got a comedy album that was released in April this year, and they've been nominated for an aria. Auntie Donna and thus Broden have a YouTube channel that blows up every time they release another video. Uh, their live performances have been performed around the world, around the nation, and to sold out audiences, they've toured internationally for at least three years across Europe and North America. We'll talk uh, about Broden's opinions soon, uh, <laughs> but I see them as an eclectic sketch group that feels like a rock concert inspired by Monty Python, Rowan Atkinson, Lonely Island, Full Frontal, Tony Martin and Mick Malloy. It's loud and it's high energy. Shows include live music, a DJ, dance, sketch, um, it's meta-theatre, and a fair few curse words as well. <laughs> if you haven't heard of Auntie Donna, there is no doubt that your students have. They are inspiring young artists to see live theatre that matches their interests. Uh, their podcast is hilarious and irreverent and surreal at times. Uh, we're lucky to have Broden with us today uh, with a live audience to talk about how he got where he is and how we as teachers and what we as teachers can do to support students uh, to emulate Broden's journey. Please welcome Broden Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Broden. Thanks, guys. It's a, I'm also, it doesn't say in your bio, very, very, uh, we're all drama nerds and, uh, and uh, all acting school kids and uh, top class auditionees. Uh, uh, so, yeah, no, we all come from that drama world. So I'm very, very chuffed to be here. Uh, so... Broden, just for context for everyone, can you please tell us a little bit about your journey with drama and theatre? Yeah, so uh, the, what I was sitting here listening, I, I've never been around so many drama teachers <laughs> in my life. Very, very exciting because at my school, I, I remember very, very vividly in being in year nine and uh, the first time I remember being a very, uh, you know, normal 15-year-old boy and then a drama teacher saying, you're, you're good at this and you should keep doing it. And I, I remember it so vividly because it's probably one of the most important, uh, you know, forks in my life where I, where I all of a sudden became obsessed with everything to do with drama, did all the productions, listened to every musical for two years and then got over them. Uh, and then went to acting school and made it my full-time job to the point where it's, uh, yeah, what I do now, I, I've taken acting and drama and uh, made it my full-time job. So we self-devise work and, uh, and uh, make film work and live theatre work and uh, our audience are mostly high school kids. So it's cool to think uh, that we're inspired, well, you know, the, what I would have liked when I was in year nine uh, and being a young theatre maker. Mm. All the kids are talking about Auntie Donna. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are some of the highlights of your time at school? Uh, yeah, well, the production, uh, it was cool to hear all the teachers talking about production as well because production was the only thing at school that I cared about and, and drama class. Uh, so it was, it was the one area where you got to really feel a bit special. Even just down to the point at my school, uh, Viewbank College, we got to wear uh, the school production T-shirt for the week and you could go, oh, teacher, I don't have to. I don't have to wear my normal uniform. This, this. <laughs> Uh, so that was that was good. Uh, yeah, it's the in a, you know in the early years 
at my school, sport was considered the most important thing or that was the thing that everyone wanted to get into. And uh, the production was a week where everyone was, you know, looked at you and thought you were really, really cool. And, uh, and yeah, just a, a, just a different way of thinking. Uh, there was, you know, I was never particularly good at maths or any of those things. And uh, my drama teachers, I was really lucky to have really cool drama teachers who, who nurtured that and, and considered it to be a, a, a fruitful thing to, to, to dedicate your life to. How did they do that? How did they, by caring? I think like there's, we, uh, my, I remember my year seven drama teacher being awful and not caring and then a different teacher coming in and then all of a sudden going, oh, this is what I want to do. And um, I was lucky enough to go back to my old school and direct a few musicals and I have no training whatsoever. But I, but I did it for uh, a couple of years, but I was lucky enough to have some of the kids that I directed end up going to the same university that I did and study the same thing. And I remember thinking there's a direct lineage between someone having a passion about something and young people taking that on board. Uh, yeah, so I, I would say I don't know if I'd be doing what I did if I didn't have passionate teachers around me. They, uh, in, I had teachers giving me books of comedians who were good or DVDs or just going that extra mile and doing things like that. Uh, giving, yeah, I think when I say passion, I mean they had a passion about something and then passing that on to me. Specific passion that they passed on. Hundred percent. Yeah. Inspired you. Right. You also met one of your team members at high school, three at university, mm. and then more later. Yeah. Is that correct? Hundred percent. Well, the the, the where uh, the performing uh, members of the group that I'm in were a trio, and uh, we are all essentially just actors who realised in Australia it's almost impossible to make a full time career as as being a straight actor. Uh, there's maybe three you know, like uh, jobbing actors all year round. So we thought, let's try and uh, figure out a way to trick people into uh, watching theatre. And so we made a sketch group and, uh, and that's all it is. So, and uh, we were lucky enough to, to start our company, our theatre company, that was focused on comedy in a city where the biggest comedy festival in the world is on. Uh, so in the first year that we created that, uh, we created a sketch show we'd never written before and, it, and ended up getting a bit of heat behind it and getting nominated for an award. So we thought, let's just keep doing this. And uh, that, that was our lineage there. Alongside that, friends from school who were interested in film uh, went to film school and, and we thought, well, we have a similar passion, but in different, different mediums, let's work together. Same with the music designer uh, and writers. We all just had a similar... Uh, interesting comedy but different ways of expressing that so we thought let's try and do this together and I'll try and make a career out of it and uh, yeah we've been doing it now for eight years and we're a production company we're developing a few different projects in Australia and overseas for film and uh, yeah right yeah the, the question was going to be how how did you know you'd met the right people so you you did kind of answer that so can I uh, shape the question differently to ask what would you say to people trying, trying to find the young people listening? Yeah. The teachers support them. How do they go about finding the, the right people to it, talk to? I, I just, passion's a really uh, big thing for me. But I, the, our role is we just want people around who really care. And when we, we've gotten to the point now with our, with our business that we hire people now. And the number one thing for me is do, do they really, 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 really care? It's not, oh, maybe it's, this is something I'm interested in, but really passionate about and have, and have, and it's like there's nothing else they would want to do. So uh, the reason that 
with our company, we did't want, I didn't, we don't, I don't want to do the posters for our work, so we get somebody who's passionate about posters to them. We didn't want to film our own work and make trailers for it and put it on Facebook or YouTube because we had to. We wanted someone who was passionate about film to do it. So everything we do is the person who's doing it must really, really, really care about it. And that's something across the board that we've found. Uh, is, has helped us because we're not particularly better writers than any other comedians around. We're not particularly better performers. We're just the people who are willing to put in the extra hours. And uh, yeah, that's definitely something I learned from university acting drama school is uh, the difference. Re I saw really, really talented actors and young performers who were naturally gifted and never had to learn what it took to get that extra mile. And I would always work with someone who is going to put in the extra hours every day uh, than someone who's naturally gifted. And I'd, I'd, so the people that we ended up landing on and working with are people who might not be as naturally talented, but are the people who will put in the extra hours. Right. Great advice, hey? Yeah. All right. Um, we talked a little bit about how I see your work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll, we will be asking, if you have a question to follow up any of this, interrupt, I'll start looking around the circle. Uh, uh, who I see as the inspirations, I've seen all your shows now. And the most recent show, which is the uh, uh, high, no, high school. Uh, Glenridge Secondary Glen College. Glenridge Secondary College. It's based College. about a school, so it's apropos. It's yeah. based on how all of you are funny. <laughs> <laughs> all appear on stage. Uh, that who do you see as aspirational or inspirational artists? Uh, well, the biggest thing for me, the reason I started doing what I did is I watched one documentary about Monty Python and about uh, why, why they were... They were just a group of guys who thought, let's all work together, and that, they were very inspirational for me. Uh, Tony Martin is someone I've been lucky enough to work with recently, a comedian who's just written to what he likes. Uh, yeah, uh, but we've also drawn a lot of inspiration from theatre companies and, 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 uh, and uh, people like that in Melbourne. I remember when I was at acting school, uh, Red Stitch was really, really inspirational to us because it was just a group of actors who'd taken back control of what they were doing. And, uh, yeah, I'd say people like that. All right, beautiful. Mm. Uh, I see you as aspirational for the next generation of mm -hmm. comedians and theatre makers, more so for theatre makers because my drama class is full of people who love you. Uh, I'm wondering if, if that was ever an intention? Has that just come out in the wash? Or is your work at schools directing shows, is this intentional or is this...? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I have both been a, a director at high schools and also I've been lucky enough to be a theatre and education performer, which is uh, some of the saddest days of my life. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, I've been lucky enough to do performances for kids when they like it and when they don't like it. So... <laughs> uh, but... What were we talking about? Was it, did you intentionally create a world that young people no, would yeah, get yeah. excited by, or was that just what you loved? The biggest thing for me was, uh, and for us, is just writing what you found funny. Because we'd never, the first time we ever wrote or created something ourselves was, uh, was our first ever show. And all we had to go by was what we found funny. So uh, it was all sort of done in the dark, like putting your clothes on in the dark, you don't know what you're doing. So the... All we've ever done is write to what we think's funniest. We've never tried to write to uh, what someone might find funny. It was a really big shift for me as a creative person from year 12 to university, and I was talking to you about it before we started recording, uh, the penny drop, where even at, at high school, 
the creative work like drama solos would always be done with creative thought, but you'd always have to get it ticked off either by an examiner or a teacher across all of the, all of the classes you have. And then getting to university and having lecturers go, uh, literally come up with it and whatever you think works is what you have to go with. Because I was thinking coming here today, the closest I've had to being graded in my professional career as opposed to my like student life is, uh, is reviewers. Uh, and uh, that their opinion just doesn't matter at all. So all you really have to go by is what you think's funny, uh, or what you like to do. So it's very, it was a huge moment and a very happy moment for me, uh, from memory, of being at university and going, I can just do whatever I want and makes me happy, as opposed to having to think, am I transforming that object correctly, or am I, is that new, is that newspaper, is a hat going to be good enough for the examiner? It was a, it was a, do they still do that? Well, we, we just lost transformation of object oh, on, the, no. on the VCE. We've now got application of symbol. So you'll be happy to know that that paper, ha if it represents something, for example, yeah. a, a battle could the conflict. Could the symbol be a transforming object, though? Oh, yes, absolutely. You oh, can. great. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank it doesn't God. have to be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. So the hat is what you literally wear, and then you sail with it somewhere. You know, but so you have to sail with it. It's your journey. No, no, that's <laughs> Let's spitball, symbol. Application of symbol with a newspaper hat, you know. We wear what we read, we are what we see. Very the media good. controls our mind. Symbol, application of it. Top class already, great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that, was th that, that, was, that was a huge moment for me when, I ha uh, when the only person grading my work was going to be me. And that was really cool, but something you have to get better at doing. Uh, mm. Great. Oh, fantastic. So... Uh, I'm going to open up for, for just for a moment before that, the final question to see if anyone has any questions for, for Broden. I'm really excited to ask questions like, how can I get, do what you do in my classroom without you literally being there and running workshops? Those are the kind of questions. But before I ask those final ones, does anyone have any questions for Broden Kelly? Excellent. Oh, no, yeah, Mary. Oh, question. Um, you talked about you are the only one that grades your performance and what you write. Mm -hmm. But you have already talked about the kids, the, the adolescents that you perform to. I'd love to know what transforms your performance when you get that feedback from them. Yes, 100. Well, the other obvious person that's the, the, that you get feedback from in theatre, and particularly comedy, is the audience. You get immediate responses. It's, yeah, it's not a result you get later on. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, very, it's something you have to develop time over time, over time, over time. So when we started making shows, we would uh, write them, finish them, and then hand them in, which is when you know perform them on opening night. And we found that that was uh, not the best way to create things. So what we've started to do is uh, do these test shows months before. So if comedy festival, if a Canberra comedy festival is in March, we do we do a mailing. We have a mailing list that our ma management has set up where we offer free pizza in a dark, dingy venue in Brunswick. And uh, we test about an hour and a half of material to uh, people who get free tickets uh, to the show. And sometimes it's uh, people on first dates and it goes awfully and then we ruin their dates. But uh, uh, yeah, it's literally just testing material in front of people and being embarrassed and looking stupid and then eventually getting to a point where your final result is something that's worth paying for. Uh, uh, and also what we've been lucky enough to do is our big, the reason we can tour internationally and we have a fan base who we sell tickets to is because we have um, a, a notable YouTube channel that has a large audience. Uh, 
So all our work is tried and tested online and sometimes the other way around. We'll do something live and then test it on, on, on YouTube. So repeatedly doing things over and over again. And uh, as I'm sure you guys know, doing uh, working for us, working in front of an audience, uh, you, you find the different little techniques and skills that you, uh, that you use time over time. Just, for example, comedy works in threes and, uh, and you learn that, that just for some reason, setting something up, doing it again, and then the third time being the punchline just seems to work. You learn things by being in front of an audience. But another thing that I've just sort of, uh, another huge thing that I've learned over time is that looking stupid's really, really important. Uh, like really, really important. And, and that being, goes for our students, right? It's really important that they get up and show and show and try. Which I imagine is really hard with young people. Because <laughs> Depends on the day. Yeah, oh, and, and people of any age. But uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the not, it's not just something that you have to do. It, it's something that's really, really important and important to be okay with. You, that, uh, because I think per, uh, performance is such a personal thing, and you can feel so embarrassed if something goes badly uh, and you're so emotionally connected to it. I think there's a, there's a tendency to not to be afraid to do it, but to, what, you, what we've developed is a way to disjoint yourself from looking stupid when something goes badly. It's really, really important to be able to go, oh, I tried that and it didn't go okay, but that's fine because I'm getting closer to what's going to work. Uh, because, yeah, the best way to get to something that works a joke is by doing it a hundred times and finding out it didn't work 99 times and it's just what you need to do for performance I think is do work that looks bad because eventually it'll look good mm. super duper uh, do we have any other questions from our audience oh, oh yes we do I guess on that point about looking bad you know, how, how important would it to be for our students to fail you know we schools somewhere that's set up for success that sure. stigmatises failure what what is, how do you open up the word, the world of failure, I guess? Yeah, 100, yes, it's, uh, it's a challenge that I think everyone has to, has to find themselves. For comedians, it's, you just have to, it's a, a bloodbath that you just have to live in for 20 years. And I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I know that's awful. Stand-up comedians every night go out and in rooms with drunk people just, just throw themselves up against the wall every night but it's in the hope that eventually you get such a thick skin and such great skills that you... But uh, I imagine, yes, or, Also, or your idea, let's present what we think is funny and find our audience. Mm -hmm. yes. I don't have to put myself out there and be really hurt that an audience doesn't get it or doesn't get me because I'm just going to wait of the 6 billion people on the planet. If 1% of them think that's funny, that's a lot of people. Exactly, yeah. It's the self yeah, You have to build self-confidence as well because often... And I remember this at school as well, thinking uh, that if I found something funny and then it didn't work, that meant it wasn't good. But eventually, you have to build up that confidence to go, no, I'm pretty confident what I'm doing is good, and I just need to find a way to make that translate. Because what we've come to with our work and our theatre work is, and for, for jokes, is it's about taking what's in your head that you find funny and finding the most eloquent way of, tra of uh, translating that to a broad audience of people and letting them understand that, as opposed to going, let's try and find out what... If Scott Morrison said something today, let's try and make a joke about that. It's about what you find funny here and trying to make an audience see what you see. And uh, 
if you have a bad, if an idea doesn't work, it's not necessarily your idea's bad, it's maybe the execution of that and how clear that was. Maybe you should do your master's on it. Yeah, I think I might. <laughs> There's research Sounds pretty easy. That. There's research <laughs> in that. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, unless there are any more questions from the wonderful people circled here, I would like to thank our Broden Kelly for his time today oh. on the assignment. <laughs>